There is no shortage of issues and causes that need our attention. And yes, they may all be important and worthy. But what can you do with your time and energy, which we all know is not bottomless? This problem of not knowing where to focus is the number one issue I find that keeps people stalled out on real meaningful action for environmental and social change. So that is what we are going to tackle today. But before we get into it, I want to remind you that the Eco Impact Academy is my mentoring program for professional women who are deeply concerned about environmental and social issues and want to find ways to take action that lights them up and create meaningful change in the world. If that sounds like you, head over to my website. It is christinahunterflourishing.com. That's Christina with a K. Just hit the Let's Chat button to set up a call with me. Okay. Let's dive in. I am Christina Hunter, and you are listening to the Live Well Green podcast, all about empowering you to create a more sustainable, equitable world. I taught environmental sustainability at the post-secondary level for 20 years, and yet I still felt that I was not doing enough. So I stepped back and began to focus on the big picture in order to find the key activities that actually make a difference and how to accomplish them without burning yourself out. Here, I guide you through the nuances of sustainable well-being so that you can lead the change that you want to see in the world and we can truly flourish. So, there's a green space in my neighborhood that really needs to be protected from development. And our bike routes need to be improved for my husband to ride to work safely. And this problem with rainforest destruction is so troubling to me. Never mind my country's growing carbon emissions. Even if I do choose a cause... I want to go further than just donating. How can I be a bigger part of social change? I need to feel like I'm doing something for myself, for the next generation. And I'm not even sure what that looks like. Or maybe you're taking action, but it feels like you're not making an impact. Plus, it's just depleting you. That sounds like a member of the Eco Impact Academy. Her name is Pauline. She's a professional woman with young teenagers and a busy career, and yet she made time to go to rallies, to drag her kids there, even though she really didn't enjoy it. And she signed petitions and wrote letters and did that kind of thing, but she didn't like it. Pauline describes herself as more of an introvert, and those rallies and protests and that work that she was doing felt like she was getting nowhere with no tangible results. And it was hard because it didn't align with her personality and style. Do you see where I'm going with this? 
Yes, in order to make a meaningful change, do what aligns with you, with your talents, your skills, and your values. But it's more than just that. What I'm going to encourage you to do to find ways to focus your efforts in the most meaningful direction is to find your eco-ikigai. What is that? Now, the term ikigai is actually a Japanese word. It's spelled I-K-I-G-A-I, ikigai, and it roughly translates to reason for being. It's often applied to people who are determining what career path to take, and here I've amended it to determine what environmental action or social justice action to take. And it's really, really useful because it links you, your passions, your skills to the world, what the world needs in terms of what community or environmental needs and what you can be rewarded for. And it turns out there are loads of benefits that are emerging in evidence that come to those who find ways to live out their purpose, their reason for being, their eco-ikigai. It turns out that we are happier people and even live longer when we find ways to create meaning in our lives. So what I've done is adapted this concept to making your social and environmental impact regardless of whether it is a career choice. Here's what it looks like. The eco-ikigai can be represented by a Venn diagram. Yes, sorry, another Venn diagram. But this is just one of four overlapping circles, each circle representing a core concept of the eco-ikigai. Where those four circles intersect, where you have all four conditions, you have your eco-ikigai. And this is where you should focus your efforts in order to make the most impact and in ways that give you energy and fulfillment rather than feeling like it's a drain on your resources, time, energy, and really yourself. Let's look at each of those four circles. The first one is what you are good at. These are your skills and competencies. You've learned these and honed them over time. You've applied them in your work life. They're things like writing and organizing and managing people, collecting and interpreting data, project management, etc., etc. These are the things that you list on your resume, right? We know those things. The next circle is really about what you love. This is what brings you joy. These are the things that light you up. You are happiest doing these activities. They include things maybe like being outdoors, spending time with your family, being physically active. Maybe it's in the realm of skills like solving a complex problem or connecting with others or communicating effectively. But ultimately, what we want to do is to find your own unique capabilities. And that is actually the overlap of these first two circles. This is where we find the intersection of what you're good at, the skills you have that also bring you joy. These are the things that over your career and lived experience, they have brought you the greatest successes and joys and feel really rewarding to do those activities. They're the things that light 
you up. Maybe they make you feel like you're on fire. And people tell you you're good at it. You feel in the zone. Time slips by when you're engaged and challenged in these activities. It's something that's often called the flow state. For me, can you guess what that is? Well, maybe you guessed. It is public speaking for sure. I love public speaking and teaching to a group. So that's really what lights me up. So that's what we want to find out of those first two circles. We want to look at our skills and capabilities and see how that overlaps with what we love to do, what brings us joy, and what we are uniquely great at, where we feel like we're on fire. Okay, then that brings us to the third circle of the eco ikigai. And this is simply what the world needs. Okay. At first glance, this is easy. There are lots of things that the world needs, and we can pretty obviously connect to those issues. But when we get a bit more specific, it will be useful to understand in this particular scenario, what is the best course of action for here and now. And we'll look at that in greater detail at a later time. But right now, let's just think in broad strokes. What issues are you most concerned about? Is it maybe local action to improve climate resilience or perhaps advocacy for Indigenous land rights in the face of oil and gas development? Or maybe it's the protection of a local wetland. Whatever it is, don't overthink it. There's no right and wrong here. If you're having trouble with it, try this little exercise. Just off the top of your head, fill in the blanks at the end of this sentence. Ready? When it comes to environmental and social sustainability, the topic that I am most passionate about is blank. Fill that in. What came to mind for you? That's good enough for now. All of the answers are excellent. You can refine and find greater detail later on. All right. So that's the third circle, what the world needs. Then we want to get into the fourth and final circle of the eco ikigai. Now, this is where we diverge more significantly from the traditional concept of ikigai. And that normally is what does the world value or what can you get paid for? But here we're going to think about it in terms of where do you have the greatest influence or leverage Now, we all have varying degrees of influence. We know that our influence is greatest in terms of our own personal behaviors, you know, what we choose to do, how we live, where we live, what we eat, how we commute, all of those types of things. Those are the areas in which we have the greatest influence. And then we have some lesser but still significant influence with those that are closest to us, perhaps family, friends, neighbors. We can also influence their behavior to some extent, greater or smaller. Often, the greatest way to influence another's behavior is simply by leading by example. How we live, how we spend our time and money, the food we serve, the gifts we buy, and so on, is an excellent way to think about our personal spheres of influence. And usually, that's as far as we go when we think about influence. But 
that doesn't get us very far when we want to influence or affect change on a bigger scale. What about changing the broader systems? What about making lasting systemic change? Here is where we need to think differently about our influence. We might think that we don't have much or any influence over vehicle emissions standards or bylaws on pesticide use or consumer culture and so on. But let's look a bit more closely at our influence. Hmm, maybe you already sit on some committees at work. Maybe you're already active in your professional association. Maybe you have a voice already on your child's school parent council. Maybe you already interact with elected officials through your volunteer work. Maybe you're neighbors with someone who sits on an industry association. Maybe you manage a team at work. Do you see what I'm getting at here? We have influence that has the potential to create systemic change if only we leverage it. So that's an important thing for us to consider here as the final circle of finding our eco-ikigai. We want to be concerned not only with those things that the world needs and what we're skilled at and what brings us joy, but where can we leverage who we are in order to bring change beyond simply living by example, which is extremely worthwhile, but we can do more with this system. So the key here is to think about the eco-ikigai as the overlap of these four spheres. When we think about what we're good at, what we love, and together those are our unique capabilities that we should consider bringing to this work and employ them in such a way where the world needs change and selectively choose where we have influence. All right. So I think that's really the key to knowing where to focus your efforts. Now, you remember Pauline, a member of the Eco-Impact Academy? It's a professional woman attending rallies and protests and dragging her kids there. She was writing letters and signing petitions, but she felt like it was really draining her as an introvert. She didn't feel like she was in her zone and she really didn't feel like it was making much of an impact. So we got into it and she looked at what really lit her up, where she has an overlap of skills as well as real joy and where she can have influence. And it turns out that was right in her own garden. Well, it's actually more of an urban farm. She grows produce organically and has lots of heritage varieties and loves helping others do the same. So what did she do? She started small, the little seed library. You know, those little libraries for books? Well, she started one for seeds that she produced out of the bounty of her own garden, her very own seeds, and there was more than enough to go around. And so she started some satellite branches in other neighborhoods. And this action brought on all sorts of conversations with her neighbors. And they were about climate change and growing food locally and about food security and sustainability. And all of these conversations lit her up. 
They felt so good and so meaningful to her. She felt as though she was actually creating positive change and making a real difference on a local level where she wanted to make her impact. It fuels her, gives her energy, and she still does some of the other work. She says that the gardening gives her the energy to go to the rallies and sign the petitions and do the other work. So it's been really, really meaningful to her. And that is really an example of finding your eco guy and letting it guide you in terms of where to focus your efforts to make the greatest impact so that you can do it on an ongoing basis without draining yourself, without feeling like you just can't do any more of this, but actually feeling energized by it feeling lit up by the actions you're taking, knowing that it really aligns with who you are, your skills, your competencies, your unique capabilities in this world, so that you can make the change and leverage what is right there in front of you. So that's the answer to where to focus your efforts. Look for the overlap of what you're good at, your unique capabilities, apply them to what the world needs, and where you have the most influence. Those are the four overlapping circles of the eco guy. Before we leave today, I'd love to send you off with a quote from the very inspiring Michelle Obama, who wrote, Success isn't about how your life looks to others. It's about how it feels to you. We realize that being successful isn't about being impressive. It's about being inspired. That's what it means to be true to yourself. Well, thank you, Michelle Obama, for that. That's all for now. If you're interested in exploring these issues further, head on over to my website, it's christinahunterflourishing.com. That's Christina with a K. Just hit the Let's Chat button if you are a professional woman and are deeply concerned about climate change and the state of the world that we are leaving to future generations and want some guidance on the best steps to take. I would love to connect with you. While you are there, sign up for the Flourishing Fridays newsletter. It is your weekly guide to sustainable well-being and effective environmental action. I can't wait to talk to you again. Until then, live well green, my flourishing friends. Bye for now.